0: Letter thirty-eight of Letters from Egypt by Lady Lucy Duff Gordon. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. To Sir Alexander Duff Gordon. Luxor. April sixth, 1864. Dearest Alec. I received yours of March 10th two days ago, one also from Hakekian Bay, much advising me to stay here the summer and get my disease evaporated. Since I last wrote the great heat abated, and now we have seventy-six to eighty degrees with strong north breezes up the river, glorious weather, neither too hot nor chilly at any time. Last evening I went out to the threshing-floor to see the stately oxen treading out the corn, and supped there with Rahman on roasted corn, sour cream, and eggs, and saw the reapers take their wages, each a bundle of wheat according to the work he had done, the most lovely sight. The graceful, half-naked, brown figures loaded with sheaves, some had earned so much that their mothers or wives had to help carry it, and little fawn-like stark-naked boys trudged off, so proud of their little bundles of wheat, or of hamuz sort of vetch, much eaten both green and roasted. The sakka water-carrier, who has brought water for the men, gets a handful from each, and drives home his donkey with empty water-skins and a heavy load of wheat, and the barber who has shaved all these brown-heads on credit this year gets his past pay, and every one is cheerful and happy in their gentle quiet way. Here is no beer to make men sweaty and noisy and vulgar. The harvest is the most exquisite pastoral you can conceive. The men work seven hours in the day, i.e. eight, with half-hours to rest and eat, and seven more during the night. They go home at sunset to dinner, and sleep a bit, and then to work again, these lazy Arabs. The man who drives the oxen on the threshing-floor gets a measure and a half for his day and night's work, of thresh-corn, I mean. As soon as the wheat, barley, adas, lentils, and hummus are cut, we shall sow dura of two kinds, common maize and Egyptian, and plant sugar-cane and later cotton. The people work very hard, but here they eat well, and being paid in corn they get the advantage of the high price of corn this year. I told you how my purse had been stolen, and the proceedings therei Well, Mustafa asked me several times what I wished to be done with a thief, who spent twenty-one days here in Irons. With my absurd English ideas of justice I refused to interfere at all, and Omar and I had quite a tiff because he wished me to say, "Oh, poor man, let him go, I leave the affair to God. I thought Omar absurd, but it was I who was wrong. The authorities concluded that it would oblige me very much if the poor devil were punished with a rigor beyond the law, and had not Sheikh Yusuf come and explained the nature of the proceedings, the man would have been sent up to the mines in Fazaglo for life, out of civility to me, by the mutter of Kenna, Ali Bey. There was no alternative between my forgiving him for the love of God, or sending him to a certain death by a climate insupportable to these people." Mustafa and company tried hard to prevent Sheikh Yusuf from speaking to me, for fear I should be angry and complain at Cairo, if my vengeance were not wreaked on the thief. But he said he knew me better, and brought the process verbal to show me. Fancy my dismay! I went to Salim Effendi and to the Cadi with Sheikh Yusuf, and begged the man might be let go, and not sent to Kenna at all." Having settled this, I said that I had thought it right that the people of Karnak should pay the money I had lost, as a fine for their bad conduct to strangers, but that I did not require it for the sake of the money, which I would accordingly give to the poor of Luxor in the mosque and in the church. Great applause from the crowd. I asked how many were Mussulman and how many Nazarene, in order to divide the three Napoleons in a half, according to the numbers. Sheikh Yusuf awarded one Napoleon to the church two to the mosque, and the half to the water-drinking place, the sebeel, which was also applauded. I then said, Shall we send the money to the bishop? But a respectable elderly copt said, Malkish, never mind, better give it all to Sheikh Yusuf. He will send the bread to the church. Then the kadi made me a fine speech, and said I had behaved like a great emira, and one that feared God, and Sheikh Yusuf said that he knew the English had mercy in their stomachs, and that I especially had mussulman feeling, as we say, Christian charity. Did you ever hear of such a state of administration of justice? Of course sympathy here, as in Ireland, is mostly with the poor man in prison, in trouble, as we say. I find that accordingly a vast number of disputes are settled by private arbitration, and Yusuf is constantly sent for to decide between contending parties, who abide by his decision rather than go to law, or else five or six respectable men are called upon to form a sort of amateur jury and to settle the matter. In a criminal case, if the prosecutor is powerful, he has it all his own way. If the prisoner can bribe high, he is apt to get off. All the appealing to my compassion was quite an regale, another trait of Egypt. The other day we found all our water-jars empty and our house unsprinkled. On inquiry it turned out that the Sakas had all run away, carrying with them their families and goods, and were gone no one knew whither, in consequence of some persons having authority, one, a Turkish kawas, policeman, having forced them to fetch water for building purposes, at so low a price that they could not bear it. My poor Sakha is gone without a whole month's pay, two shillings, the highest pay by far given in Luxor. I am interested in another story." I hear that a plucky woman here has been to Kenna and threatened the mutter that she will go to Cairo and complain to Effendina himself of the unfair drafting for soldiers, her only son taken, while others have bribed off. She'll walk in this heat all the way, unless she succeeds in frightening the mutter, which, as she is of the more spirited sex in this country, she may possibly do. You see, these Saides are a bit less patient than lower Egyptians. The Sakas can strike, and a woman can face a mutter." You would be amused at the bazaar here. There is a barber, and on Tuesdays some beads, calico, and tobacco are sold. The only artisan is a jeweler. We spin and weave our own brown woolen garments, and have no other wants, but gold necklaces and nose and earrings are indispensable. It is the safest way of hoarding, and happily combines saving with ostentation." Can you imagine a house without beds, chairs, tables, cups, glasses, knives, in short, with nothing but an oven, a few pipkins and water jars, and a couple of wooden spoons and some mats to sleep on? And yet people are happy and quite civilized who live so. An Arab cook, with his fingers and one cooking pot will serve you an excellent dinner quite miraculously. The simplification of life possible in such a climate is not conceivable unless one has seen it. The Turkish ladies whom I visit at Karnak have very little more. They are very fond of me, and always want me to stay and sleep. But how could I sleep in my clothes on a mat-divan, poor spoiled European that I am? But they pity and wonder far more at the absence of my master. I made a bad slip of the tongue and said my husband before Abul Rafia, the master of the house, The ladies laughed and blushed tremendously, and I felt very awkward, but they turned the tables on me in a few minutes by some questions they had asked quite coolly. I hardly know what I shall have to do. If the heat does not turn overpowering, I shall stay here. If I cannot bear it, I must go down the river. I asked Omar if he could bear a summer here, so dull for such a young man, fond of a little coffee-shop and gossip, for that, if he could not, he might go down for a time and join me again, as I could manage with some man here. He absolutely cried, kissed my hands, and declared he was never so happy as with me, and he could not rest if he thought I had not all I wanted. I am your Memluk, not your servant, your Memluk. I really believe that these people sometimes love their English masters better than their own people. Omar certainly has shown the greatest fondness for me on all occasions. End of Letter thirty-eight. Read by Cybella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.